Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Folks, we're in a wonderful time. I know, I know Pastor Andreas had said that there are things coming upon us, and I, I bear witness that there are things happening. But when we understand that God's ways, and when we understand the ways He works, where His presence is, there is always potential for good and wonderful and grace and mercy and power and peace. Amen? That's why the Lord has said, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In other words, to think God's way. Last week I spoke to you about your gift. Your gift, the gift of love that God has given you and that your gift matters and that God will place you in situations where your gift finds expression so that it can be a blessing, so that the life and the love of Jesus himself can be manifest in you and through you to those around you. And remember I said to you, the one thing I wanted you to go with and remember is, what? Can anybody remember? Okay, let's go back to last week's notes and start again. Your gift matters. Thank you. Your gift matters. Look at someone next to you and say, your gift matters. It's important to understand that no act of love, whether great or small, to many or to one, is insignificant in the eyes of God. None. And what I want to talk to you about today is the thoughts of God. I want to talk around the subject for a little bit. I don't particularly want to give you some new, fresh revelation. What I want to do, and my heart's desire this morning, is to awaken or to whet your appetite this morning. Your appetite for God's Word. Your appetite for His presence. Your appetite to hear what is on His heart. Because, as we have just sung, God is a loving Father who delights in His children. Sometimes the hardest part for you and I is just that realization that God delights in me. God delights in you. I know you all have trouble believing that God delights in me, but He delights in you too. And I want to, we're going to take some journey through, a journey through a few portions of Scripture this morning, and we're going to start at Psalm 139. The first few verses say this, O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. In other words, God knows you inside out. Before you even think a thought, God knows. There is nothing in our hearts or lives that we can hide from God. There is nothing hidden from Him. Nothing. That's what it means to be sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. You see, if we have an understanding that God is a 
is an angry, judgmental God waiting to hit us on the head every time we mess up. Such knowledge is fearful. Such knowledge produces in us a desire to draw away from God. But here David says, you have hedged me before, you know everything I do. And he says, such knowledge is wonderful for me. Why is that knowledge wonderful for David? Because David had an understanding or a realization of the goodness of God's heart, of his righteousness, of his mercy. He was well acquainted with them. There is no part of our lives that is a secret to God And God sees way beyond what you and I are acquainted with, even concerning ourselves. You see, we know ourselves to a degree. We think we know ourselves. Our spouses probably know us better. (laughs) But there is a revelation and there is a knowledge about you and about your life which is beyond what even you are acquainted with. In verse 16, Psalmist goes on to say, Your eyes saw my unformed substance, In your book they were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none. God formed days for you, for you to live. He made them full and brimming with opportunities, brimming with events, with people, with interactions that that are an opportunity preordained and pre-prepared for you to meet. Some of them are for your blessing. Some of them are to shape you and your thinking. Some of them are to challenge your faith and cause you to rise up to that. Other events and other interactions are there for you to be a blessing, for you to be an encouragement to somebody else. But God knows them all and He has orchestrated them. They are not an accident. He goes on to say, How precious are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! How precious are your thoughts! God's plan for our lives, or His plans for our lives, are predetermined reality that we either choose to cooperate with and walk in, or reject and abandon. You see, we sometimes get this idea that everything is sort of fatalistic. If God planned it to be so, then it will be so. God's just naturally preordained who will be saved and who won't be saved, and we're just here to to be present. We're just somehow part of this big show, and, you know, whatever we say, do, think, or act, it it doesn't actually make any difference because, you know, God is God, and what will be will be. That's not the reality that Scripture tells us, that speaks about. Yes, God foreknew, God foreknows, God has preordained many things, but He never does so in isolation and forces them upon us. He gives us the wonderful privilege of realizing His thoughts, His plans, and becoming a part of them and walking in them to His glory and at the end of the day to our glory as well. Jeremiah chapter 29, a portion of Scripture we're all very familiar with, verses 11 to 14 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future, or a future and a hope, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Isn't that a wonderful and a reassuring promise? That when we come to God and we seek Him and we pray, He will listen. He will listen to our wrestlings, to our lack of understanding, to... to, uh, (laughs) Sometimes when you have children, young children, they come and they tell you things. And often it takes great patience to sit and listen. 
You see, when your children are very small, I once heard somebody say, the conversations are very one-sided. There's no value add. They tell you things that are wonderful and new and exciting to them, which you know full well because of, of your age. But they're excited about them. They've gripped with them. And they want to bring you into their experience of this wonderful new thing that they've discovered. Look, the moon. That, that star is called Orion's Belt, those stars. Wow. And you must be fascinated by that and absolutely blown away at the wonder of these things that you have seen a hundred times. God allows you and I to do those same things. And he comes in to partake and enjoy and connect with us in our felt experiences, whether good or bad, and to help us in them. He says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And then he makes this promise. When that happens, I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will. And to them, he said, bring you back from your captivity. I will carry on, carry on, carry on. But I want to kind of stop that there and maybe bring that really home to you and your situation, to the wrestlings that you may have in your heart and the questions you may be grappling with about yourself, about your place, your emotions, your hurts, your fears, your excitement, your faith, your hope, to know that when we seek God, we will find Him, when we search for Him with all of our heart, and He will be found by us, and He will... And that's the question. He will what? What is it that God will do in your specific situation, in your specific time, in, the, in your specific circumstance? And that, I think, is one of the most powerful questions you and I can answer. God, what are your thoughts in this situation? What is your plan in the midst of what I am going through? You see, the thoughts and plans that God has concerning our lives can't be figured out by our natural mind, by our reasonings. The Bible says that many are the plans of a man, but the Lord determines. There are many ways. How many times have you figured things out for God and prayed those into existence only to find that God somehow is not privy to your plans? I mean, He knows what's going on, but He's got plans that are bigger than yours. He's got ways that are beyond yours. And you think you've got it all figured out. You come to him with your checklist. Lord, if you would only do this, 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 and this, my life would be a lot easier. And the truth is, generally, that is the focus of the prayer, isn't it? That God, if you sorted out that situation, my life would be a whole lot better. And sometimes God says, my dear child, I did come to make your life better, but not in the way you think. You see, the plans that God has for you and me are not just cerebral. They're not just a strategy that you and I get to walk out or work out. There may be steps to it, but it's not, it's not a concrete thing of, okay, here's the manual. Whoever reads this has all the answers. Do you know how many parenting books there are out there? Full of advice. Do you know how many of them actually work? Look, if all the parenting books worked... We would have children with no problems. They would be whole. They would be well-behaved. They would be well-mannered. Amen? But there's a problem. Children are unique. Every single one is different. And likewise, every single person in the world is unique. 
And God has a specific plan and a specific word for each and every single one. My dear friends, if God knows the number of hairs on your head, if He cares about such trivial things, how much more about the affairs of your heart and the affairs of your life? No, the plans and the thoughts and the Word of God for you and I is discovered and expressed only through intimacy with Him. As I get to know my children, I learn how to lead them. As my children get to know me, they learn how to respond and be led. And it's the same with you and I in our relationship with God. God doesn't need to learn anything about us. He knows everything. The struggle is we need to learn how to be led, how to follow. And in writing to the church in Corinth, Paul writes this, 1 Corinthians 2, from verse 9 through to 16. He says, But it is written, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Do you love the Lord? Yes, I pray you do. And that means that God has prepared things for you. That's what this verse says. He says, but God has revealed these things to us. How? Through His Spirit. Not just through a book. Not even just through the Bible, although it's contained in here. It only comes to life through the Spirit. The Ruach, the breath of God that breathes on it and makes it come alive in you and me. That's what makes it a reality. It becomes a realization, not just an idea, not just a good idea. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God which in some ways might say, well, then they're out of reach or out of touch. But no, for now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may know. Say that with me. That we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And so there is this wonderful relationship with the Holy Spirit that God calls us into through which our hearts and minds are illuminated to plans, to visions, to dreams, to affection, to affirmation, to intimacy, which literally changes who we are. These things we also speak, Paul says, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teachers comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Let's pause here for a moment, because as I was reading that, something jumped out at me, and that's the word teachers. Teachers. To be taught means a process, sometimes of repetition, but to be taught means I am learning something that I do not know. I am learning, and teaching, we all know, is a process. It takes information, it takes impartation, it takes application, and then it takes repetition, continuous repetition. I do not need to learn how to play the G chord on the guitar. I can do it literally with my eyes closed. I've learned how to do that. But there are many things on the guitar that I have not yet learned. And so there's always room for growth, there's room for progression. 
There are scales and pentatonic scales and all kinds of very interesting things that I don't really understand. They're great words, but I don't know them yet. They're not a part of me yet. The G chord, that's a part of me. The C chord, I'm pretty good with that one. F sharp, minor, diminished, sustained, sixth with a seventh flat. No, I haven't got a clue. I don't even know if such a thing exists, but it's nice throwing out those words. You understand, the thing that really dawned on me this morning is how often do we think of the Holy Spirit as our teacher? That day by day, He will take our hand and teach us how to walk in in a way. Teach us how to behave in a certain way. Teach us how to react or respond in a certain situation. Teach us how to read the Word of God. Teach us how to hear the thoughts and the plans that are on God's heart. You see, if we begin to see Him that way, our interaction with Him begins to change. All right, let's carry on. The Bible carries on to say in verse 14, or Paul goes on to say that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Who has known the mind of the Lord? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Not we will have. There is something that has been freely given to you and I. It's not something that is waiting for us to do something to earn it. It's not waiting for anything on our part except to seek it out, to engage with it, and then it becomes reality and life to us. And how is it that God's thoughts concerning our lives, how is it that God's plans begin to become a reality? Well, it happens, first of all, it must happen through time in His presence. Because they, they are the stuff of faith. Romans ten seventeen says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God, the spoken Word. Our ability to hear the voice of God comes through our engagement with the Word of God. The Word of God in terms of the Bible, our engagement with the Word of God is in the person of Jesus. And as we engage with Him in intimacy, something happens that our ears are opened and we are able to hear the spoken Word of God. Not the Word that God once spoke, but the Word of God concerning you that Jeremiah spoke about, concerning your situation, your trial, your struggle, the advice that you need in your moment, the affirmation that you need in your moment. And these words, once we receive them in our spirit, man, they begin to become a reality as we speak them out, as we prophesy them over our lives. Words of wisdom, words of love, words of affirmation. And as we begin to live them out, act them out, through acts of wisdom, through acts of love, and acts that affirm the value in everyone around us. You see, God's Word is so powerful. When we begin to lay hold of God's Word, His spoken Word, His now Word, the Spirit-breathed Word of God, that Word contains within it the very power that is required to bring itself to pass. It's not up to you and your sweat and, and, and how much you can do. When God begins to speak and we interact with that Word, that Word in and of itself carries the power. Isaiah puts it this way, Isaiah 55, verses 8 to 11. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. 
So when you're trying to figure it all out, just know <laughs> you are leading yourself astray. It's not just what God thinks, it's how He thinks. It's the point He reasons from. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rains come down and snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty or without fruit, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. God sends the rain to unlock within the ground the potential that is there, the potential that seeds have, the potential that fruit trees have. And His rain, His word is the analogy here, as it falls and it is soaked up, the potential within that seed, within that little nut, within that tree is unlocked and is realized. And it is able to produce fruit. And it is able to bud and spring forth. And it is the same with your life. As the Word of God comes, all the potential and every plan that He has preordained and put within you, the potential of those things are activated through and by the power of the Word of God so that that potential may be realized. That it may bring forth and bud and that it may bring forth its fruit in its season. The Bible says when we begin to put the Word of God in us and listen to His plans and listen to His voice, that those things we hear will never return to Him empty or void. It's like an investment with a guaranteed return. A return of what? That leads us into righteousness, that leads us into Christ-likeness and fruitfulness and blessing in this life and in, the, and in that which is to come. We can't get away from the narrative from the very beginning, and we'll, we'll touch on that right now uh, in, in a few moments, right to the very end, that the Word of God, and whether you think that as His spoken Word, whether you think that as the person of Jesus, however we bring these together and, and reason these through, from the very beginning right through to the very end, the Word of God is the Creator, it is in the place where things are created. It is functioning, and it is empowered, and it brings forth life, and it brings forth great and wonderful fruit and wonderful results. It is what causes the will of God to be. 1 John 1.14, the Word, it says, became flesh. We're talking here about the person of Jesus, but the idea is that a part of God's heart his thought, his intent becomes reality in creation, becomes reality in the person of Jesus and desires to become reality in your lived experience here and now. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The desire of God's thoughts and words concerning your life is for them to be manifested. God is not just thinking happy thoughts about you in the hope that, you know, oh, that's so sweet. You see, when God looks at you, He's not just looking, even though you are His creation, He's not looking at a painting. He's not looking at something that is set, that is created and is complete and has not, it can interact back with Him. In other words, He wants to share emotion. He wants to share relationship. A painting, when you look at it, 
can give you feeling, it can give you emotion and emotive experience, but it's a one-way, it's a one-way thing. The desire of God's thoughts concerning your life is for them to be manifested, made real and tangible. And this brings great delight to the heart of the Father. Because His plans for you are good. To give you a hope and a future. God has good plans for you. God does not rejoice when the plans of the enemy come to being in our lives. He does not rejoice in evil. But He rejoices when His plans and His thoughts are realized. And the more the word Jesus is formed within us, the more God's thoughts and plans and dreams concerning our lives will be realized. As we were praying this week, I caught a glimpse of a prophetic picture. And I was reminded about the first couple of verses in Scripture. Let me read them to you. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He created this wonderful thing. It says... The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so God created this world, this earth, the heavens and the earth. And we don't know exactly what that was made up of just yet because there was, the Spirit was hovering over the waters, but we know that within that there was earth because later on He divides them and He says, let this be there and this be And there's light involved and, and we don't really understand how all of these things are and what it all looks like, but here's a couple of things we do see. That within that world, the heavens and the earth that He had created, yet without form and yet empty or void, there was potential for God's plan of life to be realized. But one thing was lacking. There was the Holy Spirit. There was the heavens. There was the earth. What was the very next verse? Then God said, the thing that gave structure and life and place and order to all of this was the Word of God. Let there be light. And later on he said, let there be. And he made earth and he made the waters. And let there be seed and let it produce after its own kind. And let there be animals and let there be fish and everything that creeps on there. And, let, and every time God spoke, something new and wonderful happened. You see, as God's Spirit hovered over the waters so too there is a sense within my heart and within my spirit that God's Spirit is hovering over us and with us. And what that means is that the atmosphere, wherever we are, is pregnant with possibilities. Over our spiritual family, over your personal life, over your marriage, over your finances, over your business. The atmosphere where the Spirit of God is, is pregnant with possibility. The Holy Spirit waits and longs to hear God's voice spoken that it may bring to pass the will of God in your life and in your situation. Then God said, release the possibilities of His magnificence and His omnipotence. Every time God spoke in the creation story, we see the Holy Spirit causing things to happen. We see power released. We see an idea, a heart, being realized and brought into manifestation. Now, it's also interesting to note 
that God, though He spoke and things happened, He didn't stop after day one. He only rested when His work and His plan was complete. And I want to say to you, dearly loved one, God's hope and His plan for your love is not, for your life is not yet complete. Because you're still sitting here and you're still breathing. You still have a gift that is important, that is needed. And God is speaking over your life. He is speaking over your gift. And the Holy Spirit is hovering over you so that as you begin to hear that word, begin to speak it out and begin to act accordingly, He can take that. He can empower and make it bring forth abundant fruit and cause immeasurable power to become available on your behalf at the command of the Word of God. God said every step was good. But he wasn't finished until it was all very good. You see, your salvation is good. But God's not finished. I, don't, I think we so often get lost in all the bad. No, 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 there are many good things that God has put into your life. That revelation you had that broke that bondage is good. That sin you managed to overcome by the grace of God and are no longer in bondage to is good. That mindset that caused and enabled you to forgive and release that person and experience God's liberty is good. The way you're learning to flow in worship and in adoring Him and in prayer, it's good. But it's not the end. You see, we're still talking about steps. We're still talking about stages. The theme keeps running through. Even creation was one after the other. The ground was there before the seed was. Amen? Why? Because it needed context. You are in the process of reaping and stepping into the blessing of God for you today based on what you have done yesterday. So that, and in so doing, are creating a platform and an atmosphere for that which God desires to do tomorrow. We are on a continuous journey of development from and preparation for. The catch is that when we forget that and we get stuck in one place and we just camp there on day four, and that, that's where the thousands and thousands and millions of years came from. Somewhere day four got stuck. I'm just kidding. We can camp for a long time. And what happens is God's word doesn't change. What needs to change is our willingness to embrace it and submit to it. Because God's plan for our life is not going to change. His plans can be delayed. His plans can be thwarted by our own desires, our own unwillingness to cooperate with Him. And so sometimes we get stuck. We get stuck in something that is good. That once was good for the season that it was in. But we're no longer in that season. There's a new season and God is speaking. And maybe we heard and we didn't want to follow, we didn't want to obey, and so we find ourselves a little stuck. Or maybe it's been so long that we've heard, or so long since we heard, that we're finding ourselves a little stuck. That flow, that grace, that word, that aliveness, that life of the Spirit, that unction, just seems so far away. So often the words we focus on trying to hear from God are the words of instruction. God, what must I do next? They're actually words that are devoid of intimacy. 
Lord, I don't even really, you know, I don't really need to or want to spend too much. Just tell me what to do to make the situation better. Tell me how to fix this. Tell me how to make this prosperous or make this blessed or to sort out the situation. God, I need wisdom. And yet, the words that the Father delights in speaking to you and I more than any other words are just simply His words of love and affirmation and affection. And those words form our nature and our character and who we are. And in such a way change us that the things that are outside no longer overwhelm us. But through that revelation, we become overcomers. You see, in in this journey of seeking God's face, of seeking His Word, the goal is Him. The prize is Him. The prize is not breakthrough just in this situation so that I can have a better chance here. It is an intimate relationship with Him. You see, God is a father, and we are His children. We are not His slaves. We are His children. And all He does and all He desires to see is framed within these two truths, that God is our Father and that we are His children. In the Old Testament, God was revealed, and again and again we see the narrative I will be their God and they will be my people. But Jesus came to bring us and take that to a whole new level. When he came in and he said, I will show you the Father. And you will have room in the Father's heart. And the catch with the love of a father, of a good father, of a true father, of God the Father, is that there is nothing you and I can perform to earn God's favor or to, or to deserve his love. He loves us because of who He is. He is love. And He loves us despite who we are. So often jaded, messed up, disinterested, and apathetic. Yet God loves. And He continues to love. And like a father in the, prodigal, in the story of the prodigal son, He continues to wait and to call and to look for the day when you will come home or we will come home into the loving arms of His embrace, into the fullness of His love and His felt experience. You see, the steps and expressions of spiritual growth and development we've been talking about revolve primarily around the formation of His love and character within us. And if this is something you are grappling today, with today, I want you to know that God is waiting to talk with you. God is not angry. God is not waiting to say, I told you so. God is not waiting for you so that He can simply say, where have you been? We've already established He knows exactly where you've been. But the Lord and the heart of God is waiting for His children to climb up on His lap and put our ear to His chest and simply hear Him say, You are my beloved child. In You I am well pleased. You see, I, I live, we, we live with the idea so often that, that God is pleased or unpleased with our actions. Yes, there are actions that God is pleased with and there are actions that God is not pleased with. But with you, the redeemed soul, washed and saved by the blood of Jesus, God is pleased. And that is why He welcomes us in. 
And He brings us to that place. And He draws us close so that He can speak and so that we can hear His words of love. Saying, Pierre, I love you. You are precious to me. Saying, Marilyn, you are my delight. Saying, Laverne, you think you're pretty outside. Man, I see you even more beautiful on the inside. Saying, Chantel, you have no idea the great things you're capable of. I know you can do it. There are so many things God longs to whisper into your heart to remind you and let you know that you are valuable and precious in His sight. And as He does so, the reality of who He is begins to dawn on us. And in the light of that reality, the reality of who we have been created to be begins to be realized in us. And as that happens, the way we interact with those around us and we live out our days by the unction of His voice begins to change. It's time to tune in. And if you are needing a fatherly touch from God today, there is a prayer I want to pray over you this morning. And this would be a wonderful time for us to, to give an opportunity to the Holy Spirit, to give an opportunity to the presence of God, to affirm and to reaffirm His love and His grace for each and every one of us this morning. And so I want to ask you to stand with me today. And what I'd like to do is I'm going to read and pray this prayer over you as Paul prayed it over the church in Ephesus. And then I'm going to pick up the guitar and we just want to, I want to give some time in the presence of God as we worship Him for Him to speak. You know, I believe the Lord is here. Do you believe the Lord is here this morning and His presence is here? The Bible says if we seek, if we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. And that's what this morning is about. And maybe God will say something prophetically through someone this morning. Maybe He's just going to speak something to your heart. But Father, we want to thank You that we can be here in Your presence today. Simply because You love us. Father, we do not come here bragging of our love for You, but we do come in realizing we do not even have a clue of the greatness of Your love for us even as you've demonstrated it through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, as the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, so too I pray for this spiritual family today. And I pray that you would grant out of the riches of your glory, Father, that each one would be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through your Holy Spirit in their inner man. I pray that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that we would be aware of His abiding presence, and that each one, having been rooted and grounded in your love, may be capable of comprehending with all the saints the width and length and depth and height of your great love, that we may fully experience that amazing, endless love and that each one of us would come to know practically and experientially the love of God, that in so doing we may be filled up throughout our whole being with the fullness of God. 
And so that we may have the richest experience of your presence in our lives, completely filled and flooded with God Himself. And so, Lord, as we pray these things and as we draw near to you now in worship, in adoration, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to our hearts today. That you would minister and you would speak to us as we wait upon you. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.